Well, hey, welcome to Anthem Thousand Oaks. Welcome to Vision Sunday. It's very exciting to be here with you guys today. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Matt Larson. I am really, really glad that you're here. It has been a wild couple of weeks. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed the last few weeks. Just as a point of recap, two weeks ago, Terry Fouché was here. He, uh, he brings a, a different kind of voice. He brings a uh, a pastoral voice, a prophetic voice that is unique and profound, and he did a phenomenal job, did a great job bringing us into an understanding of the gospel, the cross. Uh, it was fantastic. At that same point, uh, I was in Denver, got a chance to go and be with Josh and Courtney and their kids, uh, spent a couple of days just pouring into their leadership team. We're still working to lay foundations for this new church that is taking shape in Denver. Such a joy. Oh, you guys would be so excited to see what's happening uh, in that city. The, the people that God is bringing around Josh and Courtney, the doors that he is opening, it was incredible. I flew home from Denver on Wednesday, and the next morning our elder team uh, went down to Oceanside for our elder retreat, our elders and our wives. We got away for three days of, of praying, of dreaming, of preparing for what God has for us in store for this year. It was an incredible time. Uh, we loved our, our times of prayer uh, and togetherness. It was powerful. It was a good and important time for us, and it ended on Sunday morning with Anthem Anywhere. Uh, we got a chance to worship, to, uh, to take communion together, to study 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5 together. It was a beautiful time. We loved that. And as we were going through Anthem Anywhere, the pictures start to stream in. And we got to see just the, the body of Christ gathering in places all around the community. And it was overwhelmingly joyful for us to see what God was doing in the, uh, in the scatter. I hope you got to experience that. I hope you got the joy of participating in Anthem Anywhere last Sunday. And then as soon as we finished that up, we started working on this weekend, which was Anthem Summit. Uh, yesterday and Friday, we spent the day at Camarillo Community Church's facility in Camarillo. Our family of churches, our four churches, Anthem, Camarillo, Ventura, Thousand Oaks, and Denver got together to, to dig deep into prayer, to study, to understand, to see what God is doing in us as a church with our prayer culture, with our life. How do we understand it? And then how do we put this into practice in our lives? It was incredible. It was such a joy to be a part of that, to see God at work in that way. And then today, uh, today is Vision Sunday. It's a different kind of thing than we've ever done before. We have uh, not, not done vision. We've done vision often, but typically we would do it on a, on a Sunday night meeting or maybe something right after uh, our regular church gatherings. We've never taken a full Sunday morning to say, we want to look at what God has been doing. Uh, we want to look at and remind ourselves of who we are in Christ, and then we want to look forward and see where he's taking us. This is a new thing for us. And, and to be honest, uh, there's reason for that. Uh, when we'll do a, an extra meeting to talk about vision or where God's taking us, oftentimes, even just for practical reasons, uh, we'll get maybe a fifth uh, of the, the body that is Anthem Thousand Oaks. It's a, typically a, a smaller gathering. And that's great. We love those times, and they can be really sweet. Um, but this feels like God is doing something with us this year that we want to... Um, present that we want to walk through, that we want to work through and wrestle through. So I want to give you a little bit of an idea of what today's going to be like. I'm going to take some time, maybe 30 or 40 minutes, I don't know, somewhere in that range, and walk through some things with you guys. Um, a little bit about where God has taken us, what he's doing in us, and where he's, where he's going to, where we see him going this year. I'm going to ask the, uh, some of the elders. We had three of the elders and their wives up in our 8.30, and we're going to have three more in our 10.30. And, uh, and we want to hear from uh, these incredible, godly, faithful people what God has put on their heart for this church. Uh, we're going to take communion, but we want to do it differently today. We want to take communion all together, which is uh, we don't usually do that. Everybody gets up and kind of takes it on their, on their own time. And so it will be a little clunky. How many of you come from a uh, passing communion culture growing up? Anybody ever passed communion? All right, you're going to have to help the rest of us figure out what it looks like to actually pass the communion around so that we don't uh, botch this completely. So that's going to be really fun. And then we're going to close with a time of corporate prayer, together prayer, um, to just to seek the Lord on his story for us this year. Does that sound like fun? Amen. Yes. Even one good amen is enough just to like make you feel like, like God's at work. All right. 
Uh, there will be some, I, I'm going to ask a few questions today that, that the hope is responsiveness. So just, you know, warm the engines up a little bit and kind of get yourselves ready because we might, I might need that affirmation. All right, here we go. Uh, whenever you see key moments in the Bible, oh yeah, two things. Thank you, my love. Uh, two things that would be helpful. One, on your chair, uh, if you got a chair, on your chair was a sheet that just walks through some of uh, the story of 2018 from a an information standpoint, you can take a look at that and to see, uh, it was awesome to see God at work, and uh, so our team put that together for you to take a look at. Also, up on the screen behind me, we're not going to do a, a live Q&A today where we have the elders up here doing interactive Q&A, but we also wanted to hear from you, just what's, what's on your heart as, as I'm talking today, as the elders are talking today, what is it that is burdening you? What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What do you want to know more about? Like that kind of a thing. We wanted to open up a channel of communication. So that number uh, will get text from you and we'll decide how to respond. Maybe it's a, just a text back to you or maybe it's responding to the questions or the thoughts on more of a, a, a broad form email to the whole church, something like that. We'll see how that goes, all right? So take full advantage of that, please. Don't hesitate even for a moment. Whenever a key moment in the Bible happens, uh, you watch these stories of uh, just incredible turning points in Israel's story and the story of the church. Uh, it's oftentimes paired with a moment of remembrance. What has God done? How has God shaped us up to this point? How has he authored this story? And I, it's, it's so incredibly valuable and so incredibly important for us that when we prepare to look forward, we make sure that we look back and we look at the story of God at work in us. We got a chance this last uh, November, December to teach God has a name, Exodus 34, 6, and 7. I loved teaching Exodus 34, 6, and 7. I don't know if you loved listening to it. I loved teaching it. It was such a joy to get into. And what's so critical about these verses is that they are God revealing himself to us. This is who he is, and we should not be distinctly different from who God is. He should be the uh, the author of our story, we are aligning ourselves with him, we're becoming like him. So I want to start our day today by reading Exodus 34, and then we're going to walk through some of God's faithfulness in our story. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. God is faithful. So let's talk about how God has been faithful. God has been faithful with his gospel, with his good news. Have you experienced that? If so, just maybe a quick hey -oh or amen or yeah or something. Has God been faithful with his good news in your story? See, he brings his good news, his gospel, and it's not just for salvation. It's actually what changes us, what, what molds us to become more like him. God moves us towards his character. That is his gospel, and he has been so faithful in this story with it. I loved that line from our uh, Anthem Anywhere from 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, where Paul writes and he says, I decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is power in the simplicity of the gospel, the core of the gospel. And as a church, that's been a big part of our story. We are not a high production church. Uh, we don't put a lot of effort into our own creativity, our own ability to present Jesus, and we believe that he has been very present in what he has done over these nine and a half years. God has been faithful to use his gospel and its power to transform, and I love seeing that. I love that story. God has been faithful through generosity. As a church that's nearing 10 years old, we are, and this might sound weird to say, but we're in an incredible position financially. God has been so faithful to be generous with us, with resources. They've never been an, an issue for us. It's not that we've ever had gazillions of dollars in the bank, but there's never been a moment, never, not once been a moment that we haven't been able to 
uh, pay for salaries or bills or whatever's on, on our responsibility list. And at the same time, we've been able to give up to this point, just through Celebrate Generosity, over $900,000 away in the last nine and a half years. You can see, that's really fun. I have a high hunch that we'll pass a million dollars this year and celebrate generosity. Just 95,000, guys. That's all we got to come up with, and we'll hit a million bucks. It'll be really fun to be able to tell that story. God has been so faithful with us. At this point, currently, we are able to actively support full-time church planters in Southeast Asia, in Costa Mesa, in Denver, in Downey, and in Ventura as a church we love the opportunity to join with God in his generosity to give and give freely and experience his grace and his mercy through generosity. What a joy that is. God has been faithful to us in multiplication. He's given us the opportunity to participate in 12 different churches being planted over the last nine years. He's shown us that his story is a multiplying one, and we get to participate in that. We get to join him in the multiplication of his church, his efforts around the world. And honestly, even beyond that, we've gotten to see multiplication in some really sweet ways. Specifically yesterday, DJ down in uh, Downey, California, Southeast LA, was able to host their first Become Conference, which is their version of the Anthem Summit. Local teachers from their body being able to rally around the church and teach how to walk deeper in life with Jesus. Chris Vinand was out on Friday night bringing vision and opportunity for the church to grow in faith what a beautiful thing. We've seen uh, at least three of the families of churches that we've gotten to join with uh, and plant out do their version of a celebrate generosity. Uh, this year, the restored family of churches was able to give around $120,000 to God breaking new ground in Tunisia. What a joy just to see them as a, as a young, thriving church uh, growing in their understanding of generosity to just outpour, outpour, outpour God's grace. We love seeing multiplication in different ways, and we've gotten to see that. God's been so faithful in that. God has been faithful in community. It's been an interesting year. It's been on some levels, both personal and in our community, it's been a year of tragedy and, and hardship. God has been faithful through the community, specifically through the body of Christ, to meet the needs of individuals, to rally people around those in need, to meet spiritual needs and physical needs and emotional needs and financial needs. It's been incredible to watch God be faithful in community. He's doing what he said he would do in the scriptures, calling on his people to take care of his people, and that's a part of how he works. That's how he moves forward. God has been faithful in mission. Uh, we've done many things where we've gotten to see God breaking new ground, opening up doors for us to walk through and carry the name of Jesus. Uh, one story of this, we've been praying for years for opportunities to go into Thousand Oaks High School. And at every opportunity, just saying, hey, we're available. We want to be a help, whatever we can do. How can we serve? And we've just seen different things open up at different times. And that led to back in November when the fires happened, the school was shut down and they were looking for a place to do their Thanksgiving food distribution. We didn't think anything of it. It was an easy yes. Yes, absolutely. Of course, we've got a facility. Nobody's there. Here's the keys. Open up. Go for it. It's been incredible. But while that was happening, that was just, uh, you know, it was one of the people in the office that called and set that up. It was awesome. Uh, but then I got a text from the principal, from Eric Bergman. And Eric is a friend of Terry Fouché's who taught here two weeks ago. Uh, they knew each other from years back uh, where they used to live in San Marino. And he's recently gotten the job as the principal at, the Thou at Thousand Oaks High School. And he texted me a picture from our lobby. If you've seen that we have that picture of Thousand Oaks High School and, and underneath just that we want to we be a blessing. Uh, we want to serve. We want to find ways to encourage and build up this community. And he sends me a picture of that out in our lobby and just says thank you. And I just, it was one of those moments where I was so so encouraged by what God is doing in you to keep pressing in, to keep serving, to keep blessing, because it's not just that we opened up our facility, it's that many of you in many ways have served and been a blessing to this school, and it's opened up doors for the gospel to fly into that place, and we love that. 
We've gotten to see incredible ministry in the foster care world, just people in the church taking in children. But when those people take in children, it's not just that. The community rallies around those families. We got to experience that personally. We were given cribs and clothing and food and diapers and unbelievable amounts of help to carry out this task that was difficult, but such a joy and a blessing as the community rallied around us. What an amazing thing to see God at work. And that's, that was our experience, but we've seen so many of you stepping in and finding ways to serve Jesus on mission. He has been faithful to open those doors. You might have noticed the, the, the sequence of those demonstrations of faithfulness. Those are our values. Those are things that we've talked about. If you've been to a welcome dinner, if you've been to uh, our intro to membership, those are the things that we talk about. And and one of the things that we've done this year, we're about to turn 10 as a church. In October, we'll be 10 years old. And we wanted to ask the Lord, are these the things that are still what you have for us? Is this the, the story that you're writing? Are these the things that you're bringing to us to carry into our community and to walk together in it? And the leaders of our family of churches got together and we wrestled through this and asked the question like, okay, do these values still reflect what God is doing in us? And what we found is rather than changing up our values, we saw uh, just an opportunity to refine and clarify what God is doing with them. And so these came together in some statements that I'm going to share with you. And they're a little bit more robust than just a single word. They're, they're what we believe, what our convictions are that have produced a certain kind of action. And I, I love sharing this with you guys. And I want you to know this is who we are as a church. We believe that God is pressing this on us as a church to walk in faithfulness, to be steadfast in the people that God is asking us to be. The first one says this, we believe that the whole Bible points to Jesus. Do you agree with that? Does the whole Bible point to Jesus? Amen. All right, that was uh, maybe an eighth of you. Do you believe that the whole Bible points to Jesus? Yes. Okay, that was better. Do you believe that it points to his work in reconciling people back to God? Okay, maybe half of you. That's okay. We'll take it. We believe that the whole Bible points to Jesus and his work reconciling people back to God, so we grow in applying the gospel to every area of life, even when it's easier to be the center of our own lives. What this means is that it's part of our human nature to kind of rule our little kingdom, to make sure that we have our world under our thumb, our authority, to be the rulers of our own lives. Uh, sometimes we apply that to work, to family, to relationships, to finances. We love that. And the gospel comes in and messes with that. It shows us that we are a part of a kingdom and we have a king that we want to serve. The gospel transforms the way that we think. It changes the way that we believe about why we're here. What are you here to do? You work in an industry. You are studying a subject. You are doing certain things with your life and your family and your home, but it's not just to carry those things out at a physical level. You are here with a spiritual purpose, with a mission of God to carry out his purpose. The gospel transforms the way that we think and the way that we live. And we believe that this whole story points to Jesus and therefore our whole lives are to point to Jesus as well. We believe that God is a generous God, so we act and give generously even when we will be stretched and less comfortable. Generosity is uncomfortable for many of us. It's stretching. Uh, There's this incredible moment a few years ago. Uh, you might have been here. When we moved into this building roughly four and a half years ago, uh, there was different carpet, and there was a, a huge stain on the carpet right up here. Who remembers the stain? Anybody? All right. Beautiful stain. It was glorious. I loved it. Uh, it, was, it was a metaphorical stain and an actual stain. It was <laughs> wonderful. And uh, we had Carol from Zoe uh, International out. She was here from Thailand. And she was up here sharing just all about what was going on in Zoe. And she stops like in the middle of her sharing. And she looks at the stain on the floor. And she says, wait, you guys gave us $30,000 before you fixed that? <laughs> and it was... It was such a, a, an important moment for us as a church to see like, okay, this is actually, yeah, this is what generosity does. It actually makes us think first about what we can give before we start thinking about what we can take and what we can do even for ourselves. And there's nobility in doing things here. 
And obviously we changed the carpet. We added some new lights. We've done some things around the place that's not inherently sinful or evil or anything like that, but the culture is not one of how can we do something that makes life a little more comfortable. Rather, God stretched and was uncomfortable to give us Jesus. He ached. Jesus, his body was crushed for us. This generosity that oozes out of God's story changes the way that we are, and we want to act like God. As he was generous with us, we want to be generous again and again and again and again. So we're going to keep going at that. I don't want us to be a little generous. I don't even want us to be 10% generous. I want us to be astonishingly generous with the way that God shapes our story. That's a dream, that's hope, and that is a reality of who we are as a church. We believe that every follower of Jesus is sent by God, so we are on mission to proclaim and demonstrate Jesus in our lives every day, even when it disrupts easy, comfortable, and stable. Jesus said... The Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. You are on a mission. We believe this about every follower of Jesus, that you are a missionary, a sent one, into a story that God is writing in your life. It would be a mistake to think that in order to be a missionary, you need to stop doing what you're doing and then go and start being a missionary. That is not the message of the scriptures at all, but rather, as you go, make disciples of all nations, teach them to obey all that I have commanded and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You, in your industry, in your school, in your apartment complex, in your family, in your home, in your people group, in your language, go and make disciples be on mission. You are sent. And as a church, we want to cultivate that again and again. Your mission is to serve Jesus and to go to the places, all the nooks and crannies of this world. We want to send you into those places with the name of Jesus. God is calling on us to carry his good news, and we want to go. We believe that. He's ascending God. We believe that God is a relational God, So we live out discipleship with a community of believers. We believe this about God, that he is a relational God. And he's called us to life in community, even when culture tells us that we can do life on our own. Let me ask a quick quick survey question. Uh, For how many of you is community within the church, the way we talk about it, all the things we've ever preached, how many of you is that easy? Raise your hand if that's easy. Just because I'm curious. Some people it is. That's not a weird thing. If you raise your hand, you're not sinful. Some people it's just easy to do life together. There's very few. It's two questions that I'm asking. So you're asking one or the other. You're raising your hand. It's going to be either easy or hard. I don't know if you can tell where I'm going with this. So if it's on the easy side of the scale, you might want to start raising your hand now. I want to see that. Okay. All right. Now, for how many of you is it difficult to do life in community the way that the scriptures say? It's like 40% of you didn't raise your hand for either. That is an unacceptable survey. Easy or hard? Two options. If you're sitting there like, I don't know. Maybe it's hard. Maybe that's just the hard category. I'll try and prep you better for surveys. This survey will take 45 seconds. It will consist of two questions. You have to raise your hand for one or the other. Please, prepare. And now here we go. See, we believe that God is relational and that he's invited us into this community life, and then we have to do something about that. We have to actually fight against culture, fight against the way that that we're being shaped to do life on our own, to be our own person, to write our own story and, to, and then do what the scriptures say, which is actually to walk together, one another. Seek out Jesus together, one another. We have to fight for that. We have to work hard for that. Uh, can you bring the multiplication one up there real quick, Matt? It's coming. We believe God's story is a multiplying story. So we reproduce disciples leaders and churches into the nations even when it hurts to send out our friends, our family, our best. This is one of those ones we believe God's story is not just for us and for now and for here. It's not. 
Anthem Church is not the end-all, be-all. We finally solved this problem of church, and now we've got the one that's going to change the world. That's not how this goes. We're not that big of a deal. I like our big deal. I wish we're beautiful. I love this church, but we're not that big of a deal. We have to get it in our heads that there's a story of passing on the gospel, passing on the heartbeats of Jesus into every generation and every people around the world. We are senders. God's story is a multiplying one. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will teach others also. These are God's heartbeat for his church that we would be multipliers. So we send. We send people that we love, we really enjoy being around. I went to Denver and I sat down at a table with people that were a part of Anthem Thousand Oaks that, that uprooted their lives and moved to Denver and I miss them. I miss being with them. I love Josh and Courtney. They would be our close personal friends that we would do dinner with on a regular basis. I love being with them. And since they moved to Denver, all we get is FaceTime and an occasional together moment. It's sad to send, but it's the story of God and we want to press into that. We want to press into that. Now here we're stepping into territory. We have two new statements. These are... Uh, components of our church that we have pressed into for years but have not added them into our values, the things that we state as our values up until this moment. And these are things that are important to us and have been for some time. And I want to see if you agree with them. And I'm not being cheeky with that. I genuinely want to see if you agree with them. We believe reliance on the Holy Spirit is necessary for the body of Christ to function properly. First of all, do you believe that? Yes. You believe that? Yes. Gusto. I like a little gusto. It's all, it's all I'm asking. So that has implications. If we believe that, it means that we lead, we worship, and we pray in full dependence on the Holy Spirit, even when it's easier to operate in our own strengths and abilities. It's not always the easiest thing to seek out the Holy Spirit, to wait for him to speak, to follow his leadership, to go where he takes us. But this has been a part of how we've worked to lead this church in every way that we can find as often as possible. We don't always do it perfectly, but we seek this out. It's been a part of our culture, but now we want to declare it as something that is essential, something that is critical to us as a church. And we believe this, and we want to live this out. And the next one, we believe Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the church and bring it to maturity. So we cultivate and are shaped by the Ephesians 4 gifts, even when this pushes against our patterns and traditions. Many of us have not grown up with this kind of language. And to be honest, as a church, we've danced around this language for a number of years. We teach on Ephesians 4. We talk frequently about the people who have apostolic influence in our lives or prophetic insight into our church or their, their teachers, their evangelists, their, their pastors, shepherds. We, we talk about this often, but we have not gotten to the place where we've said, actually, no, this is who we are. If we believe that the church is made mature, According to Ephesians 4, that he gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints of work for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ into the head that is Jesus, then we want that. We want the maturity that the scriptures call us to. And if we want that, that has implications. That means that we look to voices of leadership, to bring the fullness of the church, the fullness of Jesus into the church. This becomes increasingly important that we don't hear from simply one voice, but a collective of voices, a collective of gifts that Jesus has given to his church. So as an elder team, we've, we've looked at these, we've prayed through these, we've wrestled with these, and we've, we've settled that this is our story. This is who we are as a church. These are the things that inform how we make decisions, why we do the things we do, who we are as a people, and they are critical for us to understand them and embrace them and live accordingly. 
I don't think there's anything that's up on the screen that's a surprise to you guys that would say, like, whoa, I thought this church was different than that. I don't think that's going through your mind. I don't know if you talk like that. Sometimes that's my, my internal head voice. But what I want to do with the rest of our time is I want to I take what, what we see moving forward and share it with you. As we look ahead into the future, as we look ahead to where God is taking us, I want to highlight three things that we believe that God is going to do with us this year. He kind of shines his spotlight, his attention, his effort, his energy onto us in certain areas that we want to grow in. And I want to talk to you about what those are and how we see those taking shape. You're going to notice that this isn't me walking through a calendar. I'm not telling you dates. There will be a couple of specifics, but very few. That will come out of this. That's, that's for a later conversation. I want to give you the heart of what we see and where we believe God is taking us as a church. So three things. If you're an outline person, three things that we're going to talk about. Number one is prayer. Number two is, we'll just say holiness for the sake of brevity. Holiness. And number three, we use the keyword partnerships. Prayer, holiness, and partnerships are the three things that we're going to talk about. If you're an alliteration person, you can say poliness instead of holiness, but that, that's, it, that's all I got. All right, so where do you guys want to start? I'm just kidding. I've got notes, so I'm just going to go with them. But um, All right, so let me start with prayer. Has anybody in here ever wasted any time on prayer? I'm just kidding. It's a trick question. You cannot spend enough time in prayer. It's not a waste, ever. There's no wasted energy. There's no wasted effort. There's no wasted time when we go to the Lord in prayer. It is absolutely essential for who we are as followers of Jesus. It's critical that we understand that we be people of prayer. And there are three words that I'll say, just pinged us as an elder team to kind of hone our understanding of prayer this year. Those three words around prayer are desperation, confidence, and participation, and I'll talk about those. The first one, desperation. We need God. Do you believe that, that you need God? Yes. All right. Do you believe that you need God? Yes. Do you pray like you need God? See, this concept of desperation is what wells up in us when we need God to intervene. When we need his presence, when we need his leadership, when we need his wisdom, when we need his counsel, when we need his rescue, we cry out to God in desperation and we want to grow in understanding that. We want to grow in living that and carrying that. We want to grow in desperation in our prayer. Confidence. I don't know if you've ever been in a prayer meeting and, and it, you know, it kind of has a little bit of a, Jesus, pray, I want you to do this. And you kind of wonder, is this tongues or is this person just kind of mumbling, like what's going on in this moment? Oftentimes our prayers are so insecure that we don't even know how to approach God. That can be in our corporate prayer life and in our private prayer life, even just alone with God. Sometimes we just don't even know what to ask if we're allowed to pray this way. Is this okay? Am I on track, Jesus, to pray the exact right things that I should be praying right now? And our prayer lives are marked by insecurity, but Jesus gave us a different picture. Hebrews chapter four, chapter four follows Hebrews chapters one, two, and three, and the outline of chapters 1, 2, and 3, that's a revelation, by the way, that chapter 4 follows chapters 1, 2, and 3. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, if you were to outline them for the book of Hebrews, would be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That is the entry point of the book of Hebrews. And then in chapter 4, it says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. We approach the throne of grace with confidence to, he, to seek help and mercy in time of need. And I want us to grow in our confidence as people of prayer that we belong in the presence of God and that he wants us to be praying and engaging with him. That's confidence. The third one is participation. There's a great passage. Jesus is talking about uh, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And in that moment, he has a great opportunity to send his disciples out into the harvest. And instead, he says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, so therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest and he will send out workers. There's a participation 
in the mission that Jesus is inviting us into through prayer. And that's what we want to do. We want to join in with Jesus and participate in his mission through prayer. So these are going to play out. They're going to find their way into the life of the church in different ways. Uh, These are some practicals. We want to grow in our understanding of prayer. So we're going to do seven nights of practicing prayer between March and September. The first one is going to happen on March 6th, uh, which if you're familiar with the church calendar, coincides with Ash Wednesday or the beginning of Lent. And we want to pray into the season of Easter and want to worship and prepare our hearts for what God is going to do as he leads into Easter and what that can mean for our community. The second one is going to be on Friday, April 19th, which if you're following your church calendar, coincides with Good Friday. What a good day to pray. And we are going to gather together and we are going to practice prayer and we are going to cry out to God on behalf of our community. We'll publish the dates for the rest of them very soon, but I wanted you to have those first two as nights that we are going to gather together and pray. Another opportunity for you is to, uh, this will be on your own dime, uh, buy a plane ticket, hop in a car and make a road trip happen, get your little touring bike out with your saddlebags, get out to Denver July 25th through the 27th for a prayer tour. Josh is organizing uh, two days of prayer in the city of Denver and inviting the Anthem family of churches and the Restored family of churches to come to Denver and invade the city and break ground for the gospel to take root. And we're going to participate with Jesus in prayer for this city. And every single one of you is invited to participate in that. We would love for you to be there. You're going to see more happening in our weekly pre-service prayer gatherings, our, our ministry times that happen in our gatherings. We want to see prayer invade our church and shape our culture. So that is prayer. This is what we see. I mentioned the word holiness. Uh, we don't just pick our teaching at random. We, we choose what we teach because we see what God is saying to our culture or to our church community and we want to press into that. Have you read through 1 Corinthians? Anybody? It is a high call to holiness and righteousness in the way that we live out our lives. It calls us to walk away from our sinfulness and walk towards a righteous life with Christ. It it shows us that we cannot just live a life in the world and in the kingdom of God at the same time, but that there is a distinction as a follower of Jesus. You're called to live differently. He calls us to holiness. It's going to be uncomfortable. Breaking with sinful habits and patterns in your life is uncomfortable. But we want that. We want that. Our our elders want that for you. I want that for you. I don't want us to just continue to walk in sinfulness. We want to walk in holiness. And so we're going to teach through 1 Corinthians. And when we pause in 1 Corinthians, we're going to teach on a series that we started last year called Practicing the Way of Jesus. We want to grow to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And we want to focus our attention on the disciplines and habits of life in Jesus that shape his story in us. That's going to be our teaching for this year. It's important, and I believe that God is going to shape something powerful in us throughout the year. And the last one we mentioned is partnerships. Uh, the full sentence that I think might be helpful to see what God is doing is that he is fostering partnerships for church planting and justice domestically and globally. There are two components to this. Um, we believe that God is, is at work shaping a, a set of relationships that are going to catalyze Anthem Church going to the nations. Now, this might sound uh, like foreign language to you, the nations. Haha, <laughs> that's funny. Um, we have planted churches mostly in the U.S., That's been pretty much our story. It's the most comfortable thing for me, I think. I I can conceive of it. I can understand what that looks like. But then when we think about planting churches into the nations, it's a bit overwhelming. It's hard to think about. We've we've sent one couple to Southeast Asia, and they're doing a phenomenal job of laying the groundwork for a church plant, but it's going to take a long, long time. We've begun to partner, we've begun to partner with uh, Babu and Biki and Satya in Nepal to see churches planted in Nepal. We're, so we're growing in our heart for the nations, which is exciting. And then this year, Chris Vinan came to a group of us, a group of churches 
from around the world, actually four different continents, uh, church leaders. Uh, he came to the seven of us, said he wanted to get some time with us. Chris has been here. He's, uh, him and Merrill are a mentor to Kristen and I. He's been an apostolic voice into Anthem Church, opening us up to what God might be doing in the nations. And he brought that to us. And he said, hey, we've been talking about this for six years, how we can benefit each other, how we can serve each other, bring gifts into other churches and partner to go into the nations. But what if we formalize this? We're better together than we are on our own, so why don't we work together? And so what Chris has done is he's put together this thing called the Genesis Collective and invited us to be a part of it. It's a collection of churches that say we want to work together to plant churches into the nations. We want to bring other nations into the U.S. So we are one of the nations. We're not the only sending nation. We want to bring the nations to the U.S. and we want to send the U.S. to the nations. And so we're starting to explore what that might look like. And so there's a, there's a gathering of, of church leaders that's happening in the U.K. in March. Chris has invited us to be there. I've, I've invited our elders and their wives to join in the U.K. in March to explore and see what God might be doing to catalyze a story into the nations. And then in October... They are all coming to us. You may have heard me talk about a conference that we've done every year in, in Malibu. It's not even really a conference. It's just a gathering of leaders that have come in from around the world to uh, the Salvation Army Camp in Malibu. And we've, we've done just, it's been an incredible time. And we want to open that up this year. That anybody that God is stirring a heart for the nations, a heart to see uh, people come to Jesus, churches planted, um, businesses started, Languages spoken into these places, the scriptures spoken into these languages. We want to see those that are stirred for this uh, rally around this time in October in Malibu. If that's not you, you will be called on and asked. We need hosts. People are flying in from all over the world to Southern California, and we get to host them. We're actually going to ask uh, some of them to come and join us for our 10-year anniversary, celebrate generosity on October 13th, to be with us and then stay on for the week in Malibu. It's going to be a great time. But I wanted to prep you for this. I want you to start to see what God might be doing. And if he's stirring you, there will be opportunities to, to pull that thread in your heart to see what God has for us. So we want to see more of God's story at work in taking his word to the nations. I've asked our, our elders and their wives to kind of prepare for today just to, to share their heart. What do they see? What are they passionate about? What do they want God to be doing in our church this year? I wanted you to hear from them. Uh, we had six of them share in our um, 8.30, and we have six that will share here in our 10.30. And so I'm going to invite up the Milbys, uh, the Larsons, I'm already up here, uh, and the Sugarmans. So why don't you guys come on up? sit down if you want to, yeah. All right, so Milby's, we'll let you guys start. All right, I think I'm better standing. Yeah, I don't, I don't need, well, you can sit. <laughs> All right, keep going. Okay. So Matt talked about confidence, um, and as we were, as an elder team, uh, praying about prayer uh, in the church, one thing that came out for me, my hope, and uh, my desire uh, came from Psalm 116. So Psalm 116, 1 and 2 says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplication, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon the I will call upon him as long as I live. And so some of us right now, we can give a hearty amen to that. Right? Some of us can look back throughout our life and say, yeah, God does hear me, and I know that he answers me. And, uh, but some of us, when we think about prayer, we're like, does it work? I don't know. Um, and, you know, we struggle with prayer. And so this year, as you know, God has put it on my heart to just press into prayer more, and it was awesome to see, like, our whole elder team, uh, God put that on their hearts, too. So I was you know, totally on board and so excited. But I would love for those of us in the room who cannot say, yeah, my God hears my prayers. I know that he uh, hears me. 
and I have seen him work, and I've seen my prayers answered. I would love for us to just press into prayer this year and to just have the confidence of that coming out. And not only that, but to be able to talk to people and say, and, and to testify and say, I know my God is good because he's done this in my life. And we can tell those who don't know Jesus uh, just by the goodness of God. Okay. Amada <laughs> um, and I did not talk about what we were going to share, and mine has to do with confidence also. And um, I'm just excited for us as a body to rely on the Holy Spirit more. Uh, earlier in October, after the shootings, Matt encouraged us to go down to uh, the Borderline Memorial, and I did that. And I was talking to one of the gals there from the Billy Graham and. Uh, ministry. And she said something to me, and I shared it with them, I shared it with my community group, that really just changed how I um, am pursuing life. And she said, I said, you seem so comfortable talking to people down here. And she said, oh no, I'm not comfortable. And let us never be comfortable. Because when we're comfortable, we're not relying on the Holy Spirit. And it like just was shocking to me, and I realized that um, just how exciting if we are living our life, trusting the Holy Spirit and allowing Him, how much farther we're going to move from culture and from the norms of the world, but just walking with the Spirit. And I'm so excited for what God's going to do when we're walking with the Spirit. So I'm excited for that. Amen. So when we were at the Elder Tree last weekend, um, we we're going through, we we're praying through prayer, and we're praying through what God has for us for this year. Uh, Trisha said something that just, sorry Trisha, uh, just hit me. She said she didn't want this year to be, um, oh, 2019 was a great year for him, and that was the year that we prayed all year. Um, and sorry if I'm not getting exactly right, but uh, she, she said she felt like God wanted it to be a year that uh, we changed how we pray. We changed and became a praying people. Um, and I think that's the, the one of the two things that I'm really excited about for us is that God's inviting us into a moment where we can change the rhythms of our life, of our months, our weeks, our days, um, to where we rely on Him, we're dependent on Him. And um, through that, see the Holy Spirit speak into the moments of our days really listen for those opportunities that he's put in front of us um, for us to be more reliant on him, us to speak into other people's lives. And uh, I come from a charismatic background, uh, come from Assemblies of God Church, where some of the stuff that uh, was uncomfortable for me growing up um, was around the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit moving. And I'm excited that we put into our core beliefs um, that we want to see the Holy Spirit in our lives. But I, I also, we, we unpack things. We dig deep on things. We don't just go with the status quo, um, but we really we want to know it for ourselves. So I'm excited for us to approach um, the gifts of the Spirit in a healthy way, to have those uncomfortable conversations and pray through it together, um, and to really see uh, even the, there's different gifts up there. As, called Apex, Apostle, Prophet, um, Shepherd, and the other ones on their team. They don't always get along that great, because they're different gift sets, but um, for us to have relationships and work through how they all complement each other. And she says I'm done. So, <laughs> that's, what, that's what God's putting on my heart for us. I thought she was going to give me my app because this is a little bit uncomfortable for me, but um, <laughs> that's actually one of the things that we prayed through at the Elder Retreat um, was as we step into prayer that God would pull us into a zone that we're not necessarily comfortable with and um, growing us in those gifts of words of wisdom and prophecy and knowledge and dreams. And I think that's my prayer for us this year to just really step out and see what God has for us. And we all have different giftings and a different voice and when all of those are put together it's just a beautiful thing and so um, just even yesterday seeing the different ways God has gifted the 
leaders in our church and the things that they put on their heart. It was just such a sweet taste to see where we're headed for this year. Well, um, part of this in, in our um, desire to have all the elders up here is really just to get for you guys to get to know us a little bit. We're all different and come from different places and have, um, you know, different things on our hearts for the church. So you guys get to hear from Matt a lot. <laughs> the rest of us um, less so. So um, part of this is me sharing, Trisha did this in the first service, and I thought it was so good, um, just a little bit of who I am and how I struggle and how God's stretching, been stretching me that kind of turns around to how what we're excited about for the church. And, any of you know me well, I am a, I'm definitely an action-oriented person. I don't like to stop to think or talk or emotion or any of that. Let's just go and do this thing. And, um, and God's been really stretching me in that these last couple years to be a person that waits on Him, to be a person that goes to Him in prayer, and to actually see action flow out of that. And that's what I'm really excited about for this year. Um, the things that I've seen as I pressed into that is not like, um, God doesn't make us wait very long. He's always got something for us to do. But the practice of sitting and waiting with him to not go ahead of him, to not go before him, to not go without him, <laughs> brings so much more fruit and joy in the things that and power in the things that he calls us into. Um, Matt spoke a little bit about this at the, the summit this weekend, but um, Moses, as he was about to be um, sent out from from God, as he was having a conversation with God, um, says, it says this in Exodus 33, it says, Moses said to the Lord, see you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And God said to Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, If your presence will not go with me, then do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, and I and in your people? Is it not with your going with us, so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of this earth. And I just, I, I'm excited for that for us, for a church, that we're not going ahead of God. It's not in our action that we are distinct, but it's in being a people of God's presence that we are distinct. Um, and that that is what makes us have any kind of difference from the people around us in the world, is that God's presence is with us, and it's going with us, and we're seeking His presence um, as we go out in this world and carry out the things that we have to see. Thanks. Microphone. I do have a microphone, yeah. <laughs> Um, so in the, I, I wanted to join in with this exercise partly as a, as a part of the elder team. I know I'm a frequent teacher, um, but I do carry a, a different role as well as a part of the elder team. And just to share with you guys what I, what I hope for you this year, um, this is partly what I hope for my kids. Uh, like I just, I hope they see the world differently. Like I, I just, I don't want them to just go through life and... Uh, try and find their college and find their career and find their family and find their, you know, just, just do the, just plot along and get it done. I want them to see the kingdom of God. And that's what I pray for my kids. And to be honest, that's what I, that's what I pray for you. I, I just, what's the point of going through all of this if we're, if we're not seeing the kingdom of God, if we're not seeing the heart of God and chasing after that in the lives that we're living? And Whatever I can do as an elder of this church, I want, I want to stoke that. I want to cultivate that and build into us a, a hunger and a desire and a vision for the kingdom of God that we could see that in the things that we do. So I just, when I, when I interact with you as one of the elders of this church, I want it, I want it to be, uh, to paint that picture for what are you doing now and how are you seeing God and his kingdom in what you're doing. So that's my heart for you for this year. Who was at the Anthem Summit yesterday? Uh, which of you went to George Harris's breakout? How many of you loved it? <laughs> Hopefully everybody. Uh, George Harris is a guy that we've known for a long time. Uh, those of us who come from EV Free, and uh, he's part of Anthem events right now. And uh, one of his big focuses was how we are called to be the royal priesthood that it is our job to be advocating 
on behalf of those in our communities uh, uh, to the Lord. And so when Matt was asking, like, what, what do we have eyes for this year? Uh, that's something that is really uh, near and dear to my heart, and I, I want it to be even more present in my life. Uh, I want it to be even more present in all of your guys' lives also. Uh, it comes from 1 Peter 2, uh, verse 9. But you, uh, meaning everybody here, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So my question is, like, do you see yourself as a priest? Or do you see yourself as somebody who goes to church? Do you see yourself as a Christian? Um, and does it sound weird to call yourself part of a royal priesthood? My hope is that, that you function that way, that you function uh, as, as part of that priesthood, that you see it as part of the calling of your life is to be praying to our God on behalf of those people who you have access to. I have no idea who the people are that you work with. I have no idea most of the people who are probably in your extended families. I, none, none of the rest of us do either. And so God has put you in a specific place, at a specific time, with a specific group of people, uh, so that you can be uh, praying for those people, that you can be advocating on their behalf to our Heavenly Father. So that is something that I would love to see happen this year. That 
God created us to be together and to be in community to do it together. Um, so just to say that I'm excited to be on this journey with all of you, um, that we get to walk in this um, journey together. And um, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. For me, I, it's, it's kind of a word that um, has just come up a few times over the last few weeks. And it actually first came up, well, last week, so not the last few weeks, at the Elder Retreat. We were uh, <laughs> spending a fair amount of time praying together before we spent hours talking about prayer. And uh, just that entire time, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, I just felt this nudge of this word kind of desperation. and in totally God orchestrating um, this story. If you were at Summit Friday night, Josh taught on it, yet Josh was completely unaware that at our retreat that was a word that was heavy on me. And so uh, that thing, that word is just continuing to shape, I think, I know my posture into this next year, and a posture that I would love to see a lot of us uh, kind of come out of because I feel like at a place of desperation, whether that's recognizing our need for prayer or our need for community, it'll look different for a lot of us. Uh, but I think from that place is when you're willing to kind of step out of the comfort zones to throw off some of the, the things that take time away and to really pour into what it is that God has for us. Uh, and so it's gonna be a challenge, I know, in my life that I'm looking forward to um, Kind of recognizing and it's going to shape new ways and new practices in my life and i think for the entire body uh, all you guys it would, it's an exciting time if we can get to that place as a church and then rely on the holy spirit to really um, lift us up out of that um there's a couple things i just kind of have been thinking about as far as us as a church and one, obviously, is prayer as we step into that. Um, yesterday, I was at a funeral that I left uh, summoned early for because one of my cousins passed away. But I was at a service where um, we had a pastor who actually gave a great calling out to the people because my background is Catholicism, and so a lot of my cousins are Catholic. And just the message that was there, I, I was there as soon as I walked in, I just said, Lord, it's have this pastor from Mission Church just give, you know, a call out to the people. And I just pray that everybody's ears were open as they were listening um, through that through that process because that is so important. And not knowing where my cousins are, uh, what the relationship is. So, you know, it's making me more aware I've got to be out there. I need to be be a disciple, be spreading the word and letting them know, you know. The second thing is mission, um, being on mission. Um, I just want this church to be on mission, whether it's here in the community, whether it's out in the world, wherever it is in our community groups. I think that is so important. And we've been on mission this last year, and I know the year before one of our things was to be on mission, and I don't want us to forget that, because we, we have been on mission, and, and we are great um, in this community, and I think people, um, Sometimes we can think, oh, okay, we've done that, we don't have to do anything else. Well, God says, uh, we don't ever get to uh, uh, relax. That is not our purpose here on earth. Our purpose is to spread the gospel. And so through prayer, through mission, you know, that's how I want to have us come together and, and just continue to be alive in this community, be alive in this uh, U.S., across the world. Work. 
amongst every single one of you. I'm excited to hear the stories. I'm excited to see how he changes us, how he changes me, how he challenges me, how he challenges each of you. I'm excited. I'm excited about walking this journey in prayer, of deepening prayer, not just in my own personal life, but us as community. I am excited about releasing just dependency on the Holy Spirit and gonna watch what he does for each one of you and each one of us. I'm excited. <laughs> All right, so I, I, uh, I hope as you hear from the elders, from um, this team that is such a joy and a presence in, in our lives personally, that, that you're encouraged, you're built up, you're prepared for what God has for us. As a church, we want to do two things to close. One is we want to take communion and uh, take it all together. Like I said, we're not good at this practice, so we're going we're gonna to give it a run. Uh, and then we're going to close with a time of prayer together. And I'm going to ask you for some specific things to pray for. Uh, so you guys have a job that I have not spoken to you about. Uh, <laughs> Celeste was asking for help with uh, distributing communion. Uh, as much fun as it would be to just throw crackers out and then, you know, super soaker everybody with some juice. That's not how it's done. So would you guys uh, kind of get to work and figure out how to get everybody? Why don't you stand up? That might make things easier here. So let's stand together.